You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's been a couple of weeks since I actually sat down to record a podcast. We banked a few of them in advance, as I've confessed to you. We sometimes do. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth sometimes do. Because I was in L.A. filming a pilot for HBO, a million pilots get shot, only one or two things make it to the air. I have no illusions. But it also means that we have a huge backlog of calls because it's been a couple of weeks. So uh, I think we're just going to jump right on it. No bloviating for me at the start. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today for details. Hi, Dan. I'm a 33-year-old straight male, and I'm having an issue with my girlfriend of five years. We're planning on getting married next year, and I do love her very much, but the issue is actually with the sex. To call a morning, noon, or night type of person, I like having sex a lot and multiple times. I mean, I know they're kind of the same thing. Um, well, we work different shifts, so the only time that we actually do have sex is on the weekend, and it's usually only once or twice if I'm fucking lucky. She knows I'm actually frustrated by this and that I want more. She complains and gets grouchy whenever I try to wake her up from me getting home and trying to initiate something. And even like during the weekends, whenever I want to have sex, she's kind of like, oh, so you want to do it. It's kind of like a semi-sarcastic manner. Um, she rolls her eyes at me whenever I tell her about the different podcasts that I've listened to at work or even any of the audio books that I listen to. And... She shrugs her shoulders at me whenever I suggest that, you know, she may want to listen or, to, you know, read some of the books that I listen to because, you know, they are quite informational and, you know, they give good hints and tips for trying to spice things. For me, I was used to getting six at least once a day, if not more. Um, everything else, you know, before before her. Everything else, this is great. Get along hopefully, and, you know, everything else we communicate is just fine, just not the whole sexual side. I don't know if she closes up because of her Catholic upbringing or if it's just her mom's prudence that may be coming out through in her. I just get frustrated and right on at the point where I'm just ready to say, fuck it, our life together is off. I don't want to get married because you just don't want to open up and shit. But I also don't want to do that because everything else with her is wonderful. Now, am I just being a selfish asshole and wanting more from her that she doesn't seem to want to give me? Your call made me think of a strange analogy. Imagine if you really liked to eat and the wife was a lousy cook and she didn't even particularly enjoy cooking that much, uh, but she cooked for you because, you know, that's what wives do. That wouldn't be so much of a problem if you could order out every once in a while, if you could go to a restaurant every once in a while, if she wasn't going to take it too personally that you enjoyed eating somebody else's chow now and then. But with marriage... And monogamy and heterosexuality often, it's like you're marrying a lousy cook who doesn't, and you're not going to be allowed to eat anywhere else ever because then you're a bad person because you cheated on her with the Olive Garden. 
I would, in your shoes, not fucking marry this person. Uh, there's two things here going on during the week. You know, there's a logistical problem. You work alternate shifts. She really can't be faulted, uh, and you can't be too grumpy that you're not getting it every day. That's kind of an unrealistic expectation in a long-term relationship, the everyday thing. That kind of falls away. Even for us advice professionals, it kind of falls away. But that she's not particularly giving on the weekends or into it or into you and resents you for bringing it up. I mean, that is not what you want in a sex partner. That's not what you want in a life partner. That's not what you want in a spouse. This is a problem that is only going to get worse, never going to get better. She's just, as the saying goes, she's just not that into sex. Maybe she's into you, but clearly she's just not that into sex. And rarely in the experience of the modern human, is that a problem that improves with marriage time and age? So either you need to decide uh, if everything else she brings to the table and how much you love her is worth being sexually deprived forever, or she needs to decide that being with you and everything you bring to the table and how much she loves you is worth letting you off leash, is worth letting you eat in other restaurants now and then to take some of the pressure off her and to make sure that you are a contented, happy man around the house because your sexual needs are being met, even if she's not always the one meeting them. Hi, Dan. I'm a 32-year-old straight female. I'm in a very happy marriage. My husband and I have known each other since we were about 13. been married for three years, no kids, and no plans to have them, and we're still best friends. The only sticking point in our marriage is that I have a very high sex drive, and he has a low one. We fight about the frequency, yada, yada, yada. It's been a recurrent problem. No mean, by no means is a deal-breaker, but still the cause of stress in our relationship. When we do have sex, it's very, very good, and I'm very happy, but it's simply not frequent enough to completely satisfy me. I know this is very common. But here's where it gets super complicated. We have another couple who we're very close to. The wife of this other couple was once my husband's college girlfriend, and she's currently my best friend and my business partner. I'm also very close to her husband, and we share a lot of common interests, so we frequently go out together on our own as platonic, quote, friends. And now you probably see where this is going. Over the last couple of years, the wife has told me repeatedly she has a very low sex drive and that she feels bad because her husband's unsatisfied. And the more time I spent with her husband, the closer the two of us got. Both of us are sexually underutilized. We have a lot in common, and slowly but surely we fell in love. Last week, we confessed our feelings to each other, and we decided to tell our spouses that we'd like an open arrangement. We didn't want to cheat. We didn't want to sneak around behind our low sex drive spouse's backs. We don't want to leave our spouses because we still love them, too. And he doesn't want to leave his children. All we want is for our spouses to allow us to enjoy each other discreetly and take some of the sexual pressure off of them. It seemed to be a win-win situation. So we went to our spouses and tried to explain all of this. My husband, who's also a big fan of yours, agreed that the open arrangement would be fine. He thinks it'll help our marriage use up some of my sexual energy and make us all happier. But when the husband of the other couple suggested this arrangement to his wife, she flipped out. She acted as if she was being attacked. She told him there's no way in hell she would ever allow this sort of thing. She said that as soon as he realized how he felt about me, he should have had the good sense to stop seeing me. And she thinks that since she's his wife, she should be everything to him. It's been three days now. She still refuses to answer my texts or talk to me, which is starting to wreak havoc on our business and our friendship, obviously. My husband has talked to her a few times and tried to get her to calm down to little effect. She's still furious at me and at her husband, and we're both miserable about it. We were trying to do the right thing to include her in everything, and we're being punished for it. 
So what now? Uh, is there anything we can do or say to fix this mess? If she doesn't come around and her husband and I are going to be disallowed from seeing each other for fear of her flipping out again, we're going to be even more miserable than we are now. We don't know what to do, and I don't know if I can live like that. So while I was away, apparently the tech savvy at-risk youth sent out a memo telling everyone to write their questions out and read them to me, which is fine. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong and not writing my responses out and reading them to you. So they make uh, perfect sense and are all grammatically correct. I appreciate your question. What your question brought to mind was the old saying about it's sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. That perhaps this wouldn't have been the huge ugly scene that it is if you had done the wrong thing and just started banging each other with your husband's permission, not necessarily with hers. I don't get where she's coming from. You know, if there's something about that you don't like to do and your husband can do that thing with somebody else, I don't understand why you wouldn't let him do that thing with someone else because it would relieve you of the burden. Um, and it would also both probably make her husband happier and more content in this marriage because it wouldn't be trapping him in this situation where his sexual needs weren't being met. He could stay in the marriage and also get his sexual needs met within and without the marriage. She obviously has a different idea about what marriage and faithfulness and a commitment means. I differ. I don't think you have a right to sort of unilaterally end someone's sexual life or uh, set it at a, a rate that makes them miserable. What to do? That's not your question. What to do? What to do? There's nothing you can do. You know, she's completely batshit now because you asked for permission and not forgiveness. And it's probably going to remain completely batshit. Whatever your business dealings are with her, it sounds like you might have to wind them down uh, because certainly it sounds like the friendship is over, at least for the foreseeable future. And then the ball's really in the husband's court, whether he is content to stay in that marriage, your friend who you wanted to create this arrangement with. The ball's in his court. You know, he says he wants to be with his kids. Does he, you know, now with the cat out of the bag that he's not happy at home, that he's seeking it elsewhere, that he contemplated this, that he saw you, that he uh, got wound up in an emotional entanglement, if not a sexual entanglement with someone else. She may not be able to stay in this marriage. She may want out of the marriage, which means he's going to be a free agent, uh, perhaps. And then that really kind of throws the ball back into your court and your husband's court about whether your husband is going to feel more threatened about you seeing this guy and having a sexual relationship with guy if he is not attached, if he is single uh, and, and potentially uh, more threatening for that reason. I guess ultimately I don't have a lot of really good advice for you. It's sort of like you've called me for advice a moment after the explosion and most of the shit that got blown up is still flying through the air uh, and you're going to have to wait for it all to hit the ground uh, and the dust to settle before you can make new arrangements or and perhaps reach out to your friend. But from where I'm sitting, I think your best friendship <laughs> is history. I think you need to disentangle yourself uh, economically and, and end your business relationship with the wife. Uh, and then you're going to have to wait six months, see what happens, and then revisit the issue with your husband and him and perhaps her. They have work to do in their marriage. You can't do it for them. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. I've been downloading The New Yorker. It's fun to listen to the magazine. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for your free audiobook download today. 
Hey, Dan. I'm a 16-year-old lesbian living next door to a 17-year-old boy who recently hit puberty very, very hard. He was the first person I met when I moved here, and we've been friends since I was about eight years old. However, I have been having a little trouble with him lately. He's in love with me. He tells me this. Often. He tells me about his masturbation habits, and he has told me about his homemade sex toys. He wants me to look at pictures of his penis, and he has tried multiple times to trick me into seeing them. I have told him repeatedly that I am a lesbian and therefore not interested in him. He knows that I have a girlfriend whom I love. Instead of acknowledging this, however, he tells me that what he loves is staring at my cleavage. He lives right next door to me, so I can't really get away from him. He is often depressed and has threatened suicide before, but I am one of his only friends. I don't know what I should do about all of this. He really, really freaks me out, but I can't get away from him. Do you have any advice for me? You need to go to him and say, look, you have one friend, me, and you're going to lose that friend if you don't knock this shit off. And then anytime it starts, anytime he mentions your cleavage, anytime he talks to you in a way that sexualizes your relationship, you get up and go, get up and leave, have nothing to do with it. Stop rewarding his attention-seeking behavior, even with negative attention. Don't yell at him, don't blow up at him, just go. And you can avoid someone you live next door to. I've done it before. It's not impossible. And just have have nothing to do with them. Make yourself fucking scarce. And, you know, you have to take a suicide threat seriously from a depressed 17-year-old boy who just hit puberty. That's a little weird. But you have to take a suicide threat relatively seriously. Tell his parents. But you can't let him use that as leverage to, to make you submit to this kind of treatment. Otherwise, he has no incentive to knock it the fuck off. So call his bluff. Don't buy off on the suicide bullshit. Give him a suicide hotline number and tell his parents he's saying things to you that indicate that he may be suicidal and let them deal with it. It's not your problem. Hey, Dan. uh, Big fan of your podcast. Um, I just want to tell you that I have a bunch of friends and we have huge amounts of problems that we could probably keep you in business forever. But there is one question I really want to ask you real quick. I have a friend who is dating, well, not really dating, but having sex with this girl who has a boyfriend. And my question to you is, what should I call him? Um, Because he's kind of a mistress, but that doesn't really work. Um, Should I, you know, is it a manstress? You know, what kind of term does that cover? Um, Or should I just call him anything um, else but a uh, whore? Manstress. Hmm. That doesn't roll off the tongue. And there are three other terms that work perfectly. First of all, there's gigolo, if she's paying for it. There's kept man, if she's paying for it and a lot more. But there's also boy toy, which is just, you know, a guy that a woman is diddling on the side and using just for sex. Boy toy works perfectly. Embrace it. So I have a problem. I'm 28, gay, live in Madison, Wisconsin, which I believe you know well. Um, my problem is there's this guy I've known for years. I met him a couple years ago, that instant magnet attraction where you just can't help yourself. And dated for about six months then, and I got scared of the commitment. And he gave me an ultimatum that we had to live together or we were breaking up. And I took the breaking up and moved away to get away from him. And then last fall, kind of reconnected and started dating again. It was really good. We're on the same page, totally in love with the guy, great chemistry, you know, 
and he cheated on me. And the the confusion was one is that uh, we were open when we first started because we weren't sure where we wanted to go, and then decided together that we wanted it to be closed. So, um, and I was fine. He agreed, and then two weeks later, he cheated on me and didn't tell me the whole story at first. And I got more of the story out of him, and and I was pretty upset. And in talking about it, you know, some of the things he was saying was like, "Oh my God, you're a controlling asshole." Um, you know, he tried to throw it back on me that it was my fault because I make him feel so strongly about me that he can, you know, he had to test himself by cheating to see if he could stop, which he couldn't. Um, so in the six months since that happened, haven't really talked to him. I still miss him every day. I wake up in the morning and wish he was there. You know, all I want to do is see him. And I guess I'm not sure what to do. Um, from what I hear from his friends, you know, it, he kind of feels the same way. He misses me a lot. He realized he fucked up. I guess I'm not sure whether giving him a third chance is a good idea or not. So, uh, have there been any developments? Yes. Is he there with you now? No. What are the developments? Um, ended up meeting with him to talk and, you know, spent some time together and see what was there. And, uh, yeah, he turned out to be kind of an asshole. <laughs> okay. Like, well, um, shoots down all the advice I was going to give you, but go ahead. All right, I mean, like, you know, tried to talk about it, and he ended up throwing it back at me that it was my fault that he cheated. And then... Why does he think it was it's your fault that he cheated? I I'm not really sure. you tried to unpack in the call. Yeah, I'm not really sure myself what the rationalization was. Um... It was, it had to do with, like, uh, the feelings he had for me were so strong he had to test them. I love you so much, I'm going to go fuck this guy over here to make sure I love you that much. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't quite yeah. follow that. Mm-hmm. You know, if something else was coming out of his mouth, um, and something else was going into it, but if something else was coming out of his mouth, like he was just so hot and I was stupid or... You know, maybe our decision to close the relationship was a mistake and not the relationship. Then you might be able to get there. But his, like, insistence, particularly months out, in blaming you for what he did, I think points to him being either not self-aware enough or not mature enough to be in a relationship with. Yeah, that's kind of the same conclusion I went to. Because I come to the point where, like, you know what, I just need to cut all ties with you. Like, you're not going to get over it. I'm not going to get over it. We're just... Which is not to say that the relationship couldn't have survived if he were a slightly different person or handled it in a different way. And, of course, him handling it in a different way would mean he was a different person and more mature. Yeah. Because the relationship was open at the start. Then you guys made a mutual decision to close it. Then he cheated. And you can point to that as, oh, that means he's not a decent person I shouldn't be in a relationship with. Or you can point to that and say, it was a mistake for us to close this relationship, obviously. So let's reopen it. Mm-hmm. But not uh, not under these circumstances, not under the uh, under what you've just described. So oh yeah, if you would have said right I fucked hair. up, yeah, if you said I would have fucked up, I would have been okay, fine. But you know, don't throw it back on me. That's my fault. But I'm glad you went and talked to him because when you said you think about him a lot and you heard from his friends <laughs> that he thought about you a lot, there was something obviously unresolved there, and it's only probably because of this other meeting you had with him that you're able to feel some resolution and move out yeah. of this and away from it, and not obsess about him anymore. Yep, that was kind of my thought on it. Double check that he's a douchebag, and he is, and you're out. Yep. Are you thinking about him less? Yes. I'm kind of like, okay, I'm over this. But just don't do that dumb thing that a lot of people do who've had this experience that you've just had. 
and then in the future, say anybody who's ever cheated on a partner before or anybody who cheats on me, I won't be in a relationship with. Because the problem wasn't necessarily the cheating. Even in this instance, the problem was the why, the how, his attempt to blame you for it, his inability to take responsibility for it. All of those things are the problem with the cheating. It's not that you can't be in a relationship that survives an infidelity. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Yep. Thanks, man. Good luck. Hey, Dan. I'm a 34-year-old wife and a mother of a soon-to-be-year-old, two-year-old. Anyway, I have been considering um, sleeping with another man, and I'm not really sure if this is an appropriate thought to have. Uh, I have a really good life with my husband. We're attracted to each other. We have good sexual relationship. But not too long ago, um, we had an experience with a friend of mine that was stressful, painful, disappointing, unsuccessful, um, but did bring a lot of discourse um, into our life, which was good. Um, But it also opened up Pandora's box for me uh, not to be interested in three ways per se, but with sleeping with another guy. Um, I have nobody lined up for this. Um, Nobody's up in the running, so it's totally a fantasy right now, and I don't know if it's a grasses greener thing, if I'm bored, um, if this is just going to screw me up if I keep thinking about this. Uh, so uh, a question, a follow-up question. This uh, experience you had with a friend, was it a male friend, a female friend? Was it a three-way uh, that your husband suggested that he was interested in, or was it your initiation? Oh, um, it was a female friend. It was a three-way that my husband initiated, yeah. And how did he go about obtaining your consent to, to basically bringing somebody else into your bed? Um, well, uh, some alcohol probably played a part. Uh, <laughs> you were game. You were game. And it was a fantasy of his that you wanted to fulfill. I was game. Um, I was definitely the one who wasn't as turned out. thrilled about it. Okay, okay. Yeah. But you were I was willing to go open. there for him, and it, did, it didn't end well, or it was an unsuccessful threesome? What happened? It wasn't the best experience, but um, it was... For everybody um, or just for you? For everybody. Okay. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was awkward and uncomfortable. It didn't, end, it didn't play out well. Exactly. Yeah. Liftoff was not achieved. Uh, I guess you could say that, yeah. <laughs> but that experience sort of pried open your mind, perhaps your marriage, it made you see the possibilities of being not necessarily sexually exclusive, but still yet being committed to the husband? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it certainly opened up, like, this whole realm of feelings, things were questioned, things were challenged. And where's your husband on all of this? Did it open up these, you know, these questions and challenges? Have you guys been discussing this shit, or are you just turning this over in your head? No, we've been really open and honest together about it. Um, although, I mean, a lot of it wasn't comfortable, but... Right. And why, why it, this woman, why this friend in this three ways? Because he was attracted to her or because he said any woman and you went and bagged her for him? No, it wouldn't have been any woman. It was, it was, was simply was some attraction. To. It was someone he was attracted to who wasn't you. Yeah, and it wasn't me, and I was cool with that. Um, but, you know, there was a little bit of, but seeing that was hard for you? Um, it was more the aftermath 
that really Stucky's affected. so vague. Okay, you're like a character on Lost. Just tell me what happened. <laughs> what was the after? Okay, what was the fucking aftermath? Stop oh, jeez. Okay, okay. Um, well, he developed some strong feelings for her that he had to get through in his head, figure out if they were real, if they were not real, what was going on for him. Uh, um, and how did she feel when it was all over? Well, she was kind of on the same boat, but was more wanting to respect the friendship. Um, respect your marriage. Exactly. Like, she so he definitely kinda, he didn't want to go for He got momentarily crushed out on this woman. Absolutely, that yeah. That happens. That is totally understandable. That is, you know, it's like a skin knee in a pickup basketball game. It's a, it's a known risk of having a three-way is that your partner can get a crush or, or having an open relationship, partner can develop a crush on someone. You just have to understand that as not, you know, going in as that doesn't mean that you don't have strong feelings for me still. That doesn't mean that our marriage has to be threatened. That doesn't, and those are feelings that you are allowed to have when you have an open relationship or you sometimes bring other people into your bed. You're allowed to be into that other person, otherwise you wouldn't have wanted them there in the first place. Yeah, that otherwise makes sense. Everyone would have three ways with Marty Feldman. Uh, oh no! <laughs> he would only have three ways with hunchback trolls with googly eyes, so as yeah. not to risk having any affection for them, any feelings for them, or you know, blah blah blah. What you need to do yeah. to the husband now is go to him and say, the three-way thing didn't work. It was really complicated. You ha- you had sex with another woman. I'd like to have sex with another man, but I don't think I want to do it in a three-way. And yeah. just, you know, the cat's out of the fucking bag on the non-monogamy exclusivity thing. Let it all the way out. And just see what he says. See how he feels about it. And, and that there's nobody on the horizon, that you're not talking about a specific dude, that the guy isn't on the porch when you initiate this conversation. Gives you guys plenty of time to work through it, work through what it means. It sounds mm-hmm. like you two are headed towards, uh, you know, a more open sexual arrangement. And, and, you know, a relationship, as I would like to say, can be open to crack. It doesn't have to be, you know, the door doesn't be blown off the hinges, right? Yeah. I guess he's afraid that I would be the one to develop feelings for this new person. And you will. You will. You absolutely have feelings for whoever else it is that you sleep with. You can't mm-hmm. have, you know, a non-monogamous relationship uh, and occasionally have sex with other people if you disallow having any feelings for the other people that you have sex with. You shouldn't have sex with other people that you have no regard for and no feelings for and no attraction to. Mm -hmm. That sets a standard of you can only have sex with people you regard with contempt. Yeah. And that's, you know, nobody wants to be that person that somebody who's married is condescending to fuck even though they're disgusting. That makes their partner more comfortable. You guys have to get down, you have to, you have to, Except that if you're going to be non-monogamous with each other's okay, that it's not going to, that, that sometimes you will, you know, have a little affair of the heart, that you'll crush out a little bit, and then you need to always be strengthening your bond with each okay. other. And you need to eroticize the sex that you have with other people, even if you don't have it with other people together, and you need to eroticize it within your sexual relationship with each other. Got it. Okay. And if your husband can find something that, you know, turns his crank about you fucking another guy, and you can incorporate fantasizing about it or dirty talking about it into the sex you have with your husband and vice versa. Uh, if he, you know, he sometimes wants to have sex with a girl and you can, you can make it this erotic game that you're playing, this fuel you're throwing on your mutual fire too. Mm-hmm. So that it not only benefits you as individuals, but benefits you as a couple and strengthens your sexual bond. And I'm not just pulling all this shit out of my ass. When you read about people who have successful open relationships, that is kind of how they function. 
Okay, so you're saying it can work. <laughs> I speak from experience. Oh, thanks. It can work. And not just okay. my experience, but like book learning and other friends who've done it who are straight. Uh, it is entirely possible. You know, it is the only way it can work. Mm -hmm. the, the open relationship where there is buy-off, there is sort of a mutual participation, if only in the fantasy aspect of it or the erotics of it, even if you know you only see other people one at a time, and there is respect for an attraction to your thirds or your extras or your people on mm -hmm. the side. Okay. It's the only way to not be threatened by them. Mm -hmm. That your husband developed feelings for this woman it does not mean that you guys made a mistake. It means that you guys are decent human beings and you don't have sex with people that you despise. Okay. Like shit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess at first it was hard to hear, but it made sense. I mean, this is a person that, that you like, I love. That you yeah. That, like that person. Yeah. Of course. No, duh, naturally. So long as you go into it with understanding that your bond is permanent and transcendent, and this third is how, you know, whatever affections it cements into place over the rest of your life, this third is a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't, it shouldn't destabilize your marriage. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Good luck. Oh. Hi, Dan. I'm a 28-year-old, and I suspect I have a problem. Um, over the past few months, I've been dealing with a lot of pressure and uncertainty, uh, finishing law school, finding a job, studying for the bar exam, yada, yada, yada. I've been holding it together academically and professionally, but here's the thing. Um... I want to know what your thoughts are about compulsive sexual activity because I'm doing some really risky stuff. I'm, um, I'm having sex with four different guys, two of whom I met on Craigslist, none of whom really know about the others except for this one really sociopathic guy who knows and doesn't care and with whom I've been having unprotected sex, including anal, um, and I'm not on hormonal birth control. And um, I'm actively seeking other partners. I'm also, uh, I guess, sort of paradoxically, I'm in the best shape of my life, and it's not because I'm working out for myself, but rather just so I can um, have sex with whomever I want. Um, so anyway, this is starting to disrupt the rest of my life. Uh, I've abandoned studying a few times to go have sex in the middle of the day, and I know this is all just completely retarded. I go to one of the, you know, I'm not stupid, and um, and it's inexcusable to other people, too. And yet it's the only source of pleasure that I really have right now, and everything else just seems so out of control, and I just, I don't want to stop. Um, so my question to you is, what's your opinion about sex addiction? Um, I've never heard you talk about this on the podcast, and it's not an official disorder in the dsm 4 So do you think it exists, and um, do you have any advice for me? Hey, listen, what is it about uh, your life and your future that you hate so much that you're putting in such peril? This isn't about well, sex addiction. This isn't about your right to fuck any guy you want to. This is about you on the cusp of personal and professional success, doing everything you possibly can, using sex as the, you know, plastic explosives to destroy your future. This is a, a massive self-sabotage effort. You're going to end up pregnant or diseased or dead because you're a fucking sociopath, not because you're, uh, and, you know, you're having unprotected sex with multiple partners, blah, blah, blah. What is it about, you know, studying for the bar and looking at the rest of your life and, and this career track you've chosen for yourself makes you want to derail it all right now? That's a, that's a great question. I just, I feel like, um, 
Uh, it's instant gratification. And, you know, I'm not. Law school, which is a long, hard slog to, you know, a a set goal that's way off in the future that requires a lot of deferment of momentary pleasures, right? Right, yeah. And it's power. And it's power. Because you're exercising your sexual power. You say you're, you know, you're really hot right now. It's at the height of your sexual attractiveness. And you're demonstrating full control in a way that you're not, you know, you're not able to do that at law school. You get run through the ringer at law school, right? Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. So now that we understand what the fuck you're doing, you need to knock it off. Unless you don't want to be a lawyer. Like, leave law school. You don't have to go get... You don't have to do the bar. You don't have to... Well, I'm done. I mean, I took the bar. How'd you do? Um, we'll find out. Do you you want to be a lawyer? Do you want this life and this career that you've chosen? Well, I, um... Because you can walk away from it without having to, you know, commit suicide by dick. (laughs) Um, no, I actually have sort of my dream job. It's fantastic. Awesome. So, <laughs> what the yeah. fuck are you doing? Um, well, I have an update, actually. Oh, dot, dot, dot. What's the update? Um, You're pregnant. Well, it's pretty... No, I'm not pregnant. Um, what would be your second guess? <laughs> you have some sexually transmitted disease. Yeah. Which one? Uh, the, the best one. The one that keeps keeps coming back. Oh, so okay. it's um, yeah. Okay. I, um, when you said the best one. I thought you meant HIV. No, no, that would probably be the worst one. You, um, no, I, I mean I was being sarcastic. You've been with four guys, a couple you met on Craigslist, and uh, an yeah, sociopath who has multiple partners. Who, like, of course you have herpes. Yeah. Um, Isn't that so, big a fucking deal? Herpes and most most people are asymptomatic. Most people have a couple outbreaks and it goes away and never ever comes back. And anybody who has you know cast a thousand sex life is signing off on and up for herpes and can't freak out when it ultimately happens. Right, right. But I feel like it's also um, making me behave myself. It put the brakes on? (laughs) Well, yeah, because I don't want to give it to someone else and I don't want to talk about it with people. Good, then you're you're still a moral person. You still have sort of an ethical... Uh, capacity. Oh, sure. Well, you did, oh, yeah. like you did there when you were fucking like, you know, four or five guys at once without the four of them at least knowing about all the other guys and the risks yeah, you were ethical, spreading around. Huh? That wasn't very ethical. No, that was awful. So maybe herpes is the, you know, it's not the wall you could have run into, but it is a wall that you ran into and if it puts the brakes on this, well, good. You had, you then you could, this if this has stopped, you can chalk it up to temporary insanity and the pressures of the moment and a crazy phase of your life, blah, 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 and then run out there and disclose and date and be sane. Yeah. And you have, you know, you, you have a capacity for sexual adventurism, for sexual adventuring that is marketable. Like, there are guys out there who will want to date and marry a woman who has your sexual appetites and, you know, capacities. So you don't have to, like, turn into Virgin Mary tomorrow. You have to mm-hmm. come, like, the, 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 you know, Getting on the straight and narrow or, or setting yourself right doesn't mean not being who you are sexually. It just means finding ways to be who you are sexually that are respectful and then safe and, you know, within reason. You know, you're allowed to take risks and respectful of your partners, but that still have the ability to thrill and stagger you. Because I think you're probably one of those people who walks away from a sexual adventure going, wow, look what I'm capable of. That was amazing. Ah, right? you got to see this for what it is. It's not, you're not addicted to sex. 
You think that's a real thing? No, I don't think that's you a real com- thing. <laughs> you don't? No. Huh. Sex isn't a chemical. Certain endorphins can be released. You have certain sort of hormonal response. Uh, people can- are addicted to eating. No, people eat compulsively. And people, okay, so there's, okay, so there are compulsive sex havers. Right, and, you know, perhaps you, if you had latched onto food instead of sex as the means of your self-destruction at this moment in your life when you were trying to sabotage your future, would weigh, you know, 10,000 pounds right now and be stuffing Krispy Kremes down your throat instead of cock. But the underlying problem would not be the sex or the food. The underlying problem would be this desire to self-sabotage. All right, well, this is all, it's good insight. Get a shrink. Because <laughs> I, think, I think this desire to self-sabotage is a, is a horse you're going to have to ride for the rest of your life. It's something you're going to learn, you're gonna have to break it and learn how to, you know, ride it and have some fun with it because it's there, but you've got to get control of it. And it sounds like over the last year or so it had total control of you. Yeah, well, I definitely called you at the, like, zenith of the whole thing. Like, it was a week before the bar exam, and... Okay. Um. Well, be careful. You know, there'll be points in your life in the future where you will be under a great deal of stress, and your reaction to being under a great deal of stress can't be fucking four guys, including a sociopath, who's fucking you in the ass without using protection and without being on birth control. That can't be your default reaction to stress. (laughs) Right? In the future. All right. I mean, okay, yeah. I mean... You have to learn how to process stress and deal with it in a healthy way. Yeah. And you, you'll need more help than just some phone call from a faggot with a podcast <laughs> to get control of that. All right. Take some of the money from your dream job, get yourself a therapist, tell them what you told us, blah, blah, blah. Okay. All right. And be in charge of your sex life, which doesn't mean you don't have to, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have one. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have sexual adventures. It doesn't mean you can't have multiple partners. It doesn't mean you can't take a reasonable risk every once in a while for the thrill of it all. You're right, yeah. But you can't throw yourself under a bus like you've been doing. All right. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Hi, Dan. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I just wanted to say, uh, when it comes to discussing weight and size, um, I'm a fat guy, and I'm telling you, you're not a body fascist for telling people that they're fat. If somebody is overweight and wants to increase their odds of getting a date, well, then they should exercise and lose some weight. I happen to be with somebody who looks past my weight, and I appreciate that. But I'm a fat guy. I realize I'm unhealthy, and I probably should get in shape. And there's nothing wrong with telling people that. Unfortunately, there's a massive culture in this country that has sort of dedicated itself to the idea of people being fat as okay and healthy, and it's everyone else's problem. And it's not. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a little plump, but... If somebody's overweight, it's unhealthy, and I appreciate you actually telling people that. Thanks very much for your call. I do want to say, though, uh, you say it's not okay for people to be uh, fat, that the culture shouldn't tell people it's okay. I actually think it's okay. It's not as healthy as you could be, but you're okay whatever size you are. You might want to be healthier. You might want to get some exercise. You might want to go to the gym. You might want to live a little longer. But, you know, there are rail-thin heroin addicts out there who are less healthy than somebody carrying around 30 extra pounds. You know, there's just no sort of cut and dried. But I do think that people are allowed to make choices. You know what? It's healthier to be straight than to be gay. You're at less risk of certain sexually transmitted diseases. You're at lower risk of suicide. Uh, I don't think that's 
a fault of the gay lifestyle. I think the suicide rates among gays are a fault of the straight lifestyle because a lot of straight people out there who persecute gay people convince them to hate themselves, design religions around persecuting us, and then some of us succumb to that hatred and off ourselves, which tells you nothing you need to know about being gay and everything you need to know about how bigoted some straight people can be. But, you know, it's healthier, I guess, generally, to be straight. It's still okay to be gay. It's healthier, generally, to be thin. It is still okay to be big. I was just calling to comment on the uh, man in the last episode who had a girlfriend who was interested in bondage and BDSM. You made a book recommendation. I'm actually going to argue it. I tend to not recommend SM 101 as a good place for people to start. Jay Wiseman is extremely well-educated. He knows what he's talking about. Um, but I think he makes things sound a little bit scarier than they are. He tends to tell you, this is what this is. This is how you do it. Um, but here are all the safety issues with it, and here are why you really shouldn't ever do it in the first place. Here's what this is. This is how you do it. But here are all the safety issues with it. Nah, you really shouldn't do that one either. Um, my favorite book to recommend to people who are just starting out is Clear the Roses, Send Me the Thorns. Um, in addition to the fact that it does give good advice about safety issues but doesn't make everything sound terrifying, um, it also has the advantage of being illustrated. So there are a lot of good guides on types of rope and types of knots and all those sorts of fun things. Thanks very much for your call and your recommendation. I've read uh, Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, and I recommend it too. Should have thought to mention it uh, to that caller. But thanks for the feedback. Thanks for the recommendation. We're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call for a future podcast, that number again, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where I usually get around to posting the savage love letter of the day every day. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week with another ungrammatical installment of the Savage Webcast. Thanks for listening.